0: Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Open your Bible to Matthew chapter
1: 28. Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start with verse 18. It's our text scripture. Scripture. Kids world, this is your memory verse for the week. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's our text scripture in the memory verse for the week. And also great job youth department in leading that song. Y'all did a tremendous job. Awesome. See the thing is, I believe about kids' ministry and youth ministry, they're not the future church, they are the church. Because if you keep telling someone they're the future church, when are they actually going to be the church? It doesn't matter what age group you're in, whether you're in kids' world, 620 youth ministry, whether you're single, married, living epistle, you are the church, and we're all called to do this together. Amen? So Matthew 28, verse 18, Notice what Jesus said after he was raised from the dead. And Jesus came and spake unto them and said, all power or all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So that's a great statement, but Jesus doesn't stop there. Now he says, go ye therefore. So what is this? It's a transfer of authority. So all authority has been given unto me, so now I want you to go on that authority, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. So let's go back over this verse. What is the first thing Jesus told his disciples to do? Go. It's not a trick question. What's the first thing he said? Go. All right, Cameron, I want you to help me, for example. I want you to give me 30 jumping jacks. Ready, set, go. Go. Now, that was good, but it's not what I asked for, right? He did a lot of good things, but he still didn't do what I asked for. Jesus told us to go. We do a lot of good things, but we still haven't done what he's asked for. Next, it said, teach all nations. So you're supposed to go and teach all nations. That word teach means to make a disciple out of. Now, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? It means to believe and to follow his instructions and his teachings. It means to believe and to follow his instructions and his teachings. As church people, as Christian people, we can do a lot of good things for the kingdom of God, but if we never obey the original command to go, we still haven't done what Jesus called us to do. Go to Mark 16. Well, actually, before we go to Mark 16, go to Romans 10. So we said a disciple is a person who believes and follows the teachings of Jesus. Now Matthew 28, 19 in the Amplified Classic Edition says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So you could, if part of becoming a disciple is believing, First, we need to find out how do we get people to believe, right? So how does someone give their life to Jesus? Romans 10 is part of the Kahoot game you guys played earlier. Verse 8, but what says it? The word is nigh thee, even in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So a person is saved once they believe and once they say, right? So if we're going to take and make disciples of all people, we have to know that in order for someone to be saved, they have to believe and they have to say, right? Does it say they have to get their life right? No. Does it say they have to wear your Christian clothes? doesn't say they have to vote like you vote. It says they have to believe and they have to say. The problem we have in church and Christianity is we keep telling people to clean themselves up, then come to God. And if they could do that, they would have done it already. They're supposed to come to God and let him clean them up. So we have to make sure as we represent Jesus and we present Jesus to others, we're not saying you have to come be perfect like us, because if we're really truthful, none of us are perfect. There's only one perfect one, and his name is Jesus. We should recognize we need a Savior every single day. Does anybody know that? I'm so thankful I have a Savior. I'm so thankful he saves me from something every single day. I'm not concerned about going to hell. I know I'm going to heaven. I know he saved me from eternal damnation, but he still saves me from things every single day, and he is merciful, and he is kind, and he is loving, and he's good, and he's patient. We have to represent that same thing to others when we tell them about Jesus. Because you may be a newer disciple in Jesus. Some of you may maybe been saved for years or decades. But remember to when you just got saved, Aren't you thankful somebody was patient with you? You have to mirror that same patience to others. So go back to Matthew 28. A disciple is a person who believes and follows the teachings of Jesus. And then a lot of times when people get saved, like it says in the Bible, they are spiritual babes, or spiritual babies. Once someone gets saved, we don't just leave them on their own. So, well, you're going to heaven, praise God, see you when we get there. Just like when you bring a baby into the world, the baby can't do anything by itself. You have to feed it, you have to take care of it, you got to change diapers 30-something times a day. (laughs) In the same way, we have to take care of new believers. We don't just leave them on their own. And just because babies mess their diapers, you're not upset. Now, if a 40-year-old man walked in here and messed up his pants, we we have a reason to be upset. But if babies mess their diapers, that's what they do, they're babies. What do you think baby Christians do? They make messes. They make mistakes. But if you are consider yourself mature in the things of God, you help them. You see past their mistakes, you see past their issues, and you help them in the love of God. And so the thing is, you don't be so insulted just because their life doesn't look perfect. They just got saved last week. Well, they don't wear the right clothes to church. Well, if it moves you so much, go buy them a new wardrobe. (laughs) Matthew 28. Verse 19, go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So we lead them to Jesus, we help them become a disciple, then we get them baptized. What is the baptism for? We celebrate baptisms every month. What is it for? It is a public declaration of their faith. It is saying that I no longer walk with the world, I am walking with Jesus. And so after you lead someone to Jesus, you want to bring them to church so they can get encouraged in the things of God, grow in the things of God, then you want to encourage them to be baptized to make that public confession of their faith. Then next, you teach them, it says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. So what do you do next? You teach them what Jesus has taught you. Now the thing is, if you don't know a lot, that's okay. You tell them what you know. But then you know enough where to come to church, and say, hey, let's grow together. So we lead them to Jesus, We help them become a disciple. We get them baptized. We teach them everything Jesus taught us. But in order to help people know what to believe, you must know what you believe. In order to help people know what to believe, you must know what you believe. In order to tell people what to believe, you have to know what you believe. And everything about our faith, everything about our belief system has to go beyond us. That's why today's message is called, It's Beyond Me. It's Beyond Me. We're in the, uh, near the end of our 40-day challenge. We call it our Beyond Challenge. We've looked at many aspects of beyond. We've moved beyond shame, moved beyond the pain of the past. we moved beyond the pain of different things that have happened in our lives. We talk about shooting your shot, bro, last week, and the power of God that can take you beyond that's on the inside of you. But one of the things we must realize is that once we got saved, it stopped being just about us. It also became about somebody else. We also have to realize that it's okay to start in your Christian walk, what can God do for me, but you can't stay there. You have to get to a place where you say, what can God do through me? You can't just be me focused, you have to think about what about the rest of the world. So Mark 16, 15, And he said unto them, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. This echoes what we just saw. Those who don't believe won't be. But notice what he says next. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover notice as it said in Matthew 28 to baptize them in the name it says here go forth in my name what does name mean the greek word for name means the authority and the character thereof so remember Jesus said all authority has been given unto me so you go in that authority but it also says you go in his character not only do we go in the authority of Jesus we go in the character of Jesus and what is the character of Jesus love God is love. So everything we do has to be motivated by that God kind of love. Yes, we have authority, and thank God for it, but we have to represent Jesus in the love of Jesus. We can't represent Jesus being mean and spiteful and nasty. Who wants to know you're Jesus if you mean, spiteful, and nasty? And so too often, people judge Jesus by the activity of Christians. Now, that won't be a plausible excuse when they stand before the throne. But I don't know about you. I don't want anybody's blood on my hands. I don't want someone to turn away from Jesus because I've decided not to follow Jesus the way I already know how. So we have to represent him in his love. When we tell others about Jesus, we're telling it through love. Remember, it says preach the gospel. The gospel is good news. What is the good news? God is not mad at you. You don't have to pay for every wrong thing you've done. It's not your sins that take you to hell. If you make a decision for Jesus today, that won't be anything you have to think about for the rest of your life. Because as the Bible teaches us, Jesus is the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. That's what it says in John chapter one, right? Did it say the sins of church people? The sins of the world. So we have to stop telling people, your sins are taking you to hell. No, it's not. Do people go to hell every day? Yes, they do. But is there sins that take them? No. There's only one thing that sends people to hell, and that's rejecting Jesus. And not making a decision for him is the same as rejecting him. So we have to watch out how we represent the gospel by saying things religion has taught us, but the Bible says it's untrue. When we talk to people about Jesus, it has to be in the spirit of love. We don't compromise the truth, but we tell the truth in love. A lot of people say, well, I spoke the truth. But Ephesians says, speak the truth in love. So if you just spoke the truth and it wasn't in love, you're still wrong. Go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So we go in his love, and in his love we represent him. So if we're going to represent him, we do what he would do in that situation. When you look through the Gospels, the Pharisees were always upset with Jesus because sinners wanted to be around them. The sinners didn't want anything to do with the Pharisees. But sinners wanted to be close to Jesus. Now, the thing is, if sinners don't want to be around you, you're not as much like Jesus as you think you are. Jesus walked in complete holiness. He never compromised, yet sinners still wanted to be around him. The religious people didn't like him, but sinners wanted to be close. And Jesus responded, it's the sick who need a doctor. I came, the Son of Man is here to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus I am looking for lost people, and I'm here to save them. Why? He's a Savior. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. What's the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Is it to give you goosebumps? Is it to make you feel something? No, to so give you power. What is the purpose of the power? That you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea. So that's where they lived. But in Samaria, that's close to where they lived. But Samaria is important because the people didn't look like them, talk like them, or believe like them. Because I'm going to give you power to represent me in places where people don't look like you, don't talk like you, and may not even like you. And then to the uttermost part of the earth. It was always the plan of Jesus for people to be born again, to receive the power of God, and then go make a difference in people's lives. Go to 1 Corinthians 9, 16. Say, it's beyond me. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16.
0: 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16.
1: Notice what Paul says in verse 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of or to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. He said, I am compelled to preach the gospel. He says, it's not good for me if I don't preach the gospel. He says, that's what I am. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I got to do what I'm here to do. How compelled are you to win people to Jesus? What is your mindset? I want to reach people for Jesus, or I must reach people for Jesus? Because most Christians say, oh, it would be nice if someone got saved. It will be nice if my neighbor finally stopped living horribly and came to Jesus. It will be nice if that relative I don't like comes to Jesus one day. It would be nice, but it's not a necessity. It's not like what Paul's is I got to preach the gospel. I got to tell somebody about Jesus. We have to develop in our mentality as faith people. It's not, it will be nice if someone comes to church and gets saved. We must get people saved. That has to be our mentality. If not, we are still not doing the original commandment of go. We have to get beyond ourselves. Part of living the beyond life is getting beyond yourself. Go to Ephesians 4.11. Because some people say, well, that's the job of the preacher. Well, it is part of the job of the preacher. But it's your job too. Ephesians 4.11. It's the job of every age group. Whether you're in Kids World, 620 Youth Ministry. Whatever age group you are in, it is your job to win people for Jesus. Now, my brother here, Minister Reggie, He's just slightly competitive, just slightly. If you know him, he is super competitive. So, I already know how he's gonna respond. So Reggie, when you play a game, do you want to win or must you win? He's thinking really hard about this. Oh, you plead the fifth. Now, yesterday we had our Team Faith Games. And the 620 Youth Ministry Team won. Because he had this mentality, we must win. So some people go play games and think, oh, it's not really how you play the game <laughs> as long as you have fun and get a participation trophy. Well, you don't believe in that. <laughs> but in the game of life, a lot of people approach the things of God like, well, it'll be nice if that happened. But there's no hunger if it is nice. The best players of any sport, they are hungry for victory. They are hungry to win. How hungry? They practice every day. They perfect their game because they must win. They must compete. And just because it doesn't work out in one game or one championship doesn't say, well I quit, they go back and practice harder because they say, I must do this. I must win. Do you want people to get saved? Or is there a compulsion in you? I must get them saved. I must see people wanted Jesus. Ephesians 4, 11, And he, Jesus, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. One of the reasons Jesus gave these ministry gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, is not to entertain you in the pulpit. He gave them to mature you in the things of God so that you can do the work of the ministry. Yes, it's the job of ministry gifts to bring people to Jesus, but it's not their job only. They are the coaches in this game and they're supposed to give you instruction so that you can go play on the court. How many of you would pay to see coaches play the game? It's not much of you. And watch the players cheer them on. Go coach, go, go coach, go but that's what we do in the body of Christ. Go preacher, go, go preacher, go. If you go, I don't gotta do nothing. That can't be us anymore. We have to get beyond us. It has to be our mindset, we must reach people for Jesus. Go to 2 Corinthians five. We must do it. 2 Corinthians 5, Father, I pray you grant each person in here that compulsion, an understanding of eternity, that they must win people for Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. Actually, back up to verse 14. For the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we all die. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we know man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we know him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ he is a new creature, thank God. Old things are passed away, behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God, who has reconciled or brought us back to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us, say me. Say me. Say me, me, me. The ministry of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? The ministry of reconciliation is the ministry of bringing people to God, bringing them back together. If you're going to reconcile some friends, it means something happened to split them apart, But if you're going to be the reconciler, that means you're bringing them back together. Sin split people apart from God. But if you have the ministry of reconciliation, you're the one that's going to bring God and that person back together again. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. He's not holding their sins and all their mistakes against them and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation, the word of bringing God and people together again. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain." So just like God worked through Jesus, God wants to work through you. He worked through Jesus in his earthly ministry, bringing the whole world to himself. He wants to work through you bringing your world to himself. A lot of people think, "Well, it'll be great if the preacher can go to my neighborhood. It'll be great if we can go to your neighborhood." But we can't go to every neighborhood represented here. But what's better? You go into your neighborhood. What's better? You go into your Starbucks. What's better? You go into your favorite place to eat. What's better? You go into your school. You go into your job and bringing people to Jesus. We are God's ambassadors. That means we go and represent Him. When we send an ambassador to represent the United States, they don't go representing their own interest. They don't go with their own agenda. They're supposed to represent the agenda of the American people. When we go and represent Jesus in his love and his character and his authority, we're going on his agenda. And his agenda is I came to seek and to save the lost. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting with verse 5. And if you want my notes, you can download them through the live section of the Bible app. It says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, or I have sown, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that plants anything, neither he that waters, but God that gives the increase. And now he that plants and he that waters are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Start with verse 9 and back up. In Matthew 28, he said that I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Mark 16, 20, it says the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. But then we looked at just again 2 Corinthians 5, that God wants to work through us bringing the world to himself. God wants to work with you. He wants to be in divine partnership with you. And what's number one on the agenda? Bringing people to Jesus. Reconciling people back to himself. So Paul is talking about God worked through me to sow. God worked through Apollos to water. But God is the one who gives the increase. So it doesn't matter who sows, who waters, God is to be praised. Now, thinking about this example of a person who sows and a person who waters and a person who reaps, if you are a farmer, a farmer intentionally sows their seed. They don't just go outside. The adults know I like my props. I had a bow and arrow last week. They were slightly nervous. A farmer doesn't go outside and says, well, I feel like sowing seed today. There you go. Oh, isn't it a nice day to just... Salt seed. La di da Dida. da dee da. Oh, I need to water. I thought about making a splash zone. Don't be so nervous. I'm not gonna mess up your hair. La di da. Water here, water there, water everywhere. How many know farmers who do that? How many know they're not going to produce anything because they're not sowing with intention and they're not watering with intention? So many times we live our Christian life the same way. Oh, let me just share this post. Hopefully someone will see this. Let me tell someone about Jesus. We don't go with the same intention. We have to be focused if we want to sow, and focused if we want to water, and focused if we want to harvest. God has a plan. Say, God has a plan. Say, God has a plan to win my family, to win my friends, to win my neighbors, to win, win my co-workers, to win my classmates, and I will follow that plan. Go to John 4. We have to be intentional in our sowing in our water. God works through us as we sow in water. So just because you tell someone about Jesus and they don't get saved, don't give up, thinking you're the worst Christian in history. You sowed a seed. Someone else comes on, they tell them about Jesus, and nothing seemingly happened. That's okay, you water the seed. One day somebody's gonna come by and talk to them about Jesus, and they're gonna follow Jesus. They're gonna reap the harvest. And in heaven, the sower, the water, and the reaper get the same harvest. So it is still your job to tell people about Jesus and his love, but it doesn't mean you give up just because no one got saved. I remember the story of a person. It was a story a long time ago. Their hobby was making shoes. Their job was making shoes. They loved to tell people about Jesus, but seemingly in his life, no one ever got saved. He tried, he tried, he tried. Then one day a young man came in and he led him to Jesus, and he got saved. As far as he knows, that's the only person that came to Jesus in his entire life. That man became a preacher, became a circuit rider back in those days, would go to different churches preaching the word, preaching the word, and people got saved. But then one day, this man or one of his converts was preaching, and this 16-year-old kid came up and got saved. His name was Billy Graham. The man who made shoes gets credit for everything Billy Graham did. Not just Billy Graham. Someone sold someone water, some got an, in a national multi-million harvest. Think about whose life you may be impacting. Especially serving in kids world and youth ministry. A future president could be in your midst. Future senators, future billionaires, future teachers, future parents. And you have an opportunity to impact eternity. Because in kids' world and 620 youth ministry, we don't just have them down there and just throw some seeds in the air, throw some water in there. We're intentional. We have a goal that by the time they leave kids' world, they are saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. By the time they leave 620 youth ministry, they know what God has called them to do. It's intentional. We're teaching them in 620. It's First Corinthians 6:20, how to glorify God in their body and their spirit which belongs to God. It's intentional. We're training up a generation to do what God has called them to do, but we have to be the same intentional in our personal soul winning. John 4, verse 25, Jesus just ministered to this woman. We looked at the story a few weeks ago. She goes and says, isn't this the Messiah? She goes, tells the whole city. Verse 30, then they went out of the city and came unto him, and the meanwhile his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said, I have meat to eat that you don't know of. Therefore said to the disciples one to another, has any man brought him to eat? Jesus said unto him, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then comes a harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already with harvest. And he that reaps receives wages, and gathers fruit unto life eternal, that both he that sows and he that reaps may rejoice together. And herein the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap on the, whereon you have bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that I ever did. Now think about this. They're in Samaria. The disciples are Jews. They don't like Samaritans. They don't know why Jesus had to go through the city in the first place. When you read, beginning John chapter 4, Jesus said, I must go. So he's there, leads this woman to him. She goes and tells everybody else about him. And he says, lift up your eyes. The fields are white with harvest. When the disciples lifted up their eyes, what did they see? All the Samaritans coming to Jesus. Sometimes harvest doesn't look like what you expect. See, we all shout, it's harvest time. Praise God, it's harvest time, right? It's a good thing. A harvest time for miracles. A harvest time for people getting saved. A harvest time for finances. But if you're a farmer, the harvest time is not when you sit down and kick up your feet. The harvest time is when you get yourself up and go do some more work you may have to wake up a little bit earlier. You may have to stay up a little bit later because you have to harvest while it's harvest time. A lot of people miss their harvest in multiple areas of their life is because they don't put in the work when it takes to harvest. And the harvest looks like hard work so they miss it because they want a handout from heaven. When God has called us to be harvesters. So harvesting will take effort It will take work, but work under the anointing of God. It will take work to love people. It will take work to be patient with people. It will take work to invite them. But we're called to that work. Go to Matthew 9. Almost done. Matthew chapter 9. Say, it's beyond me. me. Say, God is going to work through me to bring people to himself. Matthew 9. Let's look at verse 35. Before that, say, I don't just want people to get saved. I must reach them for Jesus. Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. Say that. Say, the harvest truly is plenteous. But the laborers are few. So what does Jesus say in verse 38? Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into his harvest. So a lot of people are okay, God send laborers. We pray, Lord, the harvest, You'll send laborers to do the harvesting. They're okay with doing that, and we should pray that prayer every day. But in chapter 10, he then anoints his disciples and sends them out. And we'd read in Luke, after he sent his disciples, he sent 70 others. So you don't just stop with prayer. You start with prayer, and then you pick up your feet and go harvest. You can't just pray for the harvest you got to go and work that harvest. Go to chapter 4. So pray and then go. So in chapter 9 Jesus tells them what to pray and in chapter 10 he sends them to harvest. So back a few pages Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. So we talked about sowing. We talk about watering. We talk about harvesting. On the same subject Jesus gives another example. When he calls Peter and the disciples, We know reading the other Gospels is after they got a great boatload of fish. Matthew 4.18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. See, individually, you can take a fishing pole, and catch some fish, right? I think the only time I've been fishing in my life, I think my grandpa took me I was 10 or 11. And you know, if you're gonna fish, you're gonna put bait on the hook, right?
0: Worms,
1: dirty, squiggly, worms. And if I were to pull some worms out of this bucket, <laughs> none of you would want to hear what I have to say. But Bait comes in many forms. Some of you are a little bit more interested now. (laughs) All the parents are like, yes, we are very interested (laughs) as you pull out that caffeine. Now what happens? This is bait. Someone you're believing to win for Jesus, you can ask them, hey, let's get coffee. Hey, let me buy you some coffee. You know what they like. You start buying them things to say, hey, why don't you just come and listen? One of the reasons we do different events is yes, we enjoy them, but we believe in being fishers of men. So you got to lay out some bait if you want to catch. Depending on what you want to catch depends on what bait you lay out. So individually, you can catch people. But together, we can get a whole net load. That's why we all have to do our part together. Say, I am a fisher of men. Now, it's not a trick question, but what are these things? You sure? You sure? Let's try it again. What is this? What is this? Are you sure? Who agrees that these are chairs? I submit to you these are empty chairs. Anybody agrees? An empty chair has potential in the house of God. Not only does it have a potential,
0: but an empty chair is a problem. Say, an empty chair is a problem.
1: Because although that might mean you can get whatever seat you want in the house of God, because think about it. You go to the movie theaters and you walk in, oh, not a lot of people in. Great, I can stretch out and enjoy my movie. But we can't take the theater approach to coming to the house of God. Because if you walk by an empty chair, this is a life that had a potential to be impacted by the word and the spirit, but they're still outside somewhere. We have to stop just waiting for people to come. We have to go and get them. We have to sow. We got to water. We got to reap. We got to invite. We got to bring. We got to take them to church. We got to put out bait. We got to put out the nets and bring them in. <laughs> An empty chair has potential, but it's also a problem. And it's not the problem of the preacher or the minister administrative staff. It's the problem of the body of Christ. We have to win people for Jesus. We must win people for Jesus. I'm adopting this mentality. I heard a man of God say it a couple weeks ago, and I believe it's true. He said, we will do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus. We will do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus. Sadly, most Christians don't think that way. Because they only want people to come to Jesus the way they think it's acceptable in their own history or tradition. They're not willing to be creative. They're not willing to take risk. Because they are scared that if I take a risk, I may fail. But you may fail in your life. But as long as you don't stay there, you keep moving. Because failure is not a person, it's an event. We have to take risk. We must step out of the boat. We must take a chance for people to tell us, no, we don't want your Jesus. Someone goes, well, what if they tell me no, but what if they say yes? What if they laugh in my face? What if they thank you for saving their souls? We're always on the other side. What if they do this? But what on the other side, they come to Jesus. Jesus. We have to have the mentality, it's not nice if they get saved. We must reach people for Jesus. We must sow, we must water, we must harvest, we must fish, we must put out good bait and win them to Jesus. We have to go beyond ourselves. So say, I'm working with God and I am an ambassador. I am a sower. I am a waterer. I am a reaper. And I am a fisher of men. Say, I am working with God. And I am an ambassador. I am a sower. I am a waterer. I am a reaper. And I am a fisher of men. So, before we go, you should have somebody in your life you're believing to get saved. So, right now, the ushers and hosts are going to pass out these We Are Faith papers. And I want you to take two sheets to every family or every group, and I want you to write on there, who are you believing to get saved? Who are you believing to come to Jesus? I want you to write that on there on two sheets of paper. One of those papers, I want you to give it to the usher or hostess on the way out, because those are the names I'm going to pray over every single day. But then I also want you to take a copy home so that you can pray for them every single day. Prayer is important. It shall go before our harvesting efforts. But that's where we begin, not where we end. So write down on this piece of paper, who are you believing to win for Jesus? It could be a family member. It can be a coworker, It can be a classmate. It can be a neighbor. It could be a favorite barista, a waiter, a waitress you see when you go to your restaurants or coffee place. Write their names down there. Kids world, tell your parents who you want to see saved in your class. So let's take a few minutes and write that down. We must reach people for Jesus. So write two copies, one for you to take home and one for me to pray over. if you're on Facebook Live, you can email us at info at FCCGA.com and we'll pray over those names as well. So on Facebook Live, email us at info at FCCGA.com and we'll pray over those, com-
0: those names as well. Same as if you're listening on the podcast right now. Info at FCCGA.com. We must reach people for Jesus. And we will do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus. So, who are you believing to get saved?
1: Usher, see some hands over there that need the papers.
0: Write as many names as you can think of, as many people you know.
1: It's okay you spelled the name wrong. Jesus
0: knows. So one copy you're gonna keep and one copy you're gonna give it to the ushers and the hostess on your way out. There's some more people in this
1: section that need the papers. Some in this front section as well sitting behind the living epistles.
0: We must reach people for Jesus. We will see more people saved in this ministry this year than we've seen in the history of our ministry. So when you pray for these people every day, you want to pray that Ephesians 1 prayer for them, that God opens their eyes, that he softens their heart. And then you pray what we saw in Matthew 9, that God sends the right labor across their path. And He told God, I am open. If you want to use me, just tell me what to say and I'll say it. See, the thing is about faith, he'll give you the first few words, and then by faith you'll get the rest. So that means you step out, you talk to them, and you're led the spirit, by the spirit the rest of the way. All right. Give you about one more minute. Amen. And if you need more pages, the ushers and hostess can give you some before you go out, so before you leave, just write it down and give them that copy and take one for yourself.
1: So the thing is, the fact that you're taking time to write their name down, that tells you you're a person of faith. Because if you didn't think it was possible, you wouldn't write their name down.
0: But with God, all things are possible. And the context of that scripture was bringing people to Jesus who seemed too hard to bring to God. Amen. Stand to your feet. Before we go, every head bow, every eye closed in prayer. Everyone stand to your feet, every head bowed, close eye closes. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked Him into your heart, you've never made Him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your Son. I believe that He died for me But on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.